Welcome to Stacy on the Right here on Family Vision Media. Visit us at familyvisionmedia.org. It's my pleasure to welcome Jesse Davis. She is the co-lead pastor at One City Church in Denver, Colorado. And her website is jessedavis.co, jessedavis.co. And you'll find the link in our show notes for today's StreamYard. Jesse, thank you for joining yeah. me today. Um, we have kind of a tough conversation to have, but I think among women who are, we're, we both are in service to the King. We both love Jesus. And this is a conversation that I think hmm. maybe we can lead on. Maybe we can have it and help some other people get clarity here. Mm, sure, sure. I hope so. I hope so. That'd be great. So, so before we get into it, talk to me a little bit about your church and your co-leading with your husband there. Um, what's your church like? Give us a kind of a taste of your uh, your Sundays. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, um, my husband and I planted a church in uh, November of 2020 and we, um, you know, love, um, well, we love a lot of things, but we really care a lot about people that don't know Jesus or know hope, um, coming to know hope. And so, um, we have had the privilege of being, you know, raised in churches that, um, were very, um, focused on people that didn't know God and maybe, um, maybe we're done with church, but not done with God. And so we, um, we decided in 2019 that we were going to launch a church. And so, you know, prayed and started fundraising the whole thing. And then we um, launched our church in November of 2020. And it's just been, it's been so wonderful. It's, it's so alive. Um, it's so full of, we've got a lot of like, we've got a lot of younger folks in our church and um, that's been such a gift. And we've gotten to really kind of hone around this idea of community. And um, I think especially in, I think at this hour, like the need for real authentic a community is so evident and, um, you know, with loneliness and the, uh, you know, after the pandemic was just through the roof. And so we've got this beautiful community. Um, it's small and, um, you know, spirit led and just really, really incredible. And so um, John and I, a co-lead pastor, and he's amazing. Um, we've been married for 13 years. I'm going to have to check my math, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And we've got three kids and um, yeah, it's just been, it's been really good. Um, you know, I've been in ministry. I, I got saved when I was 17, met Jesus when I was 17, didn't know anything about God um, prior to that. And um, went to a Christian university and I was at the Christian university, felt felt called, very called to serve God um, in ministry. And so um, I've been in ministry for a really long time, for a really long time. I was a young adults pastor at Red Rocks Church. And so um, about uh, 10, 11 years. And so I've worked with like the next generation for the majority of my adulthood. I've worked with, you know, 18 to 30 year olds um, for a really, really long time. And that's kind of our demographic right now at One City. Um, and so I feel pretty familiar um, with the zeitgeist that that come that are coming up on the next generation and kind of what um, the vibes of the times are and, um, and familiar with kind of the anxieties that people experience in their young adulthood and the, um, you know, the identity finding that comes in your young adulthood and stuff like that. And so, so that's kind of my background and our background. And, 
um, and kind of what our church is like and what it's composed of. So we always say at One City that um, like our vision is to bring the hope and the purpose of Jesus to everyone. And I think we're I think we're doing that. We're growing, and it's been it's been beautiful. It's been a, a wonderful journey. So I love it. Okay, so let's now delve into what is becoming less of a difficult topic because everyone has to talk about it because it's becoming inescapable. And that is this new phenomenon of men um, basically being in women's spaces, spaces that were at one point due to feminism carved out strictly for women, like the area of women's sports specifically. But there are other arenas like women's locker rooms, women changing facilities and gyms, um, women's sport in the elementary and middle school and high school grade levels and the changing areas for that. And then, of course, bathroom spaces publicly all over the place, whether it's Target or any uh, Fortune 500 company that has a public retail area, they offer restrooms for women. And those have up until just recently been exclusively for the use of women um, because it's a vulnerable area where you're using the restroom. And, and so you would want to have those facilities separated. And now because of the transgender movement and LGBTQ rights, we're seeing those spaces kind of the definition of them and who can access yeah. them has changed. So yeah. talk to us about where you come down on that and what do you see as the biblical worldview that we should adopt in, in response to this? Yeah, um, great question. I mean, I think uh, I, I think that it is both a very clear answer and then one that we need to handle handle with grace. So so um, so for as a as a female and then raising two young females um we've got two daughters um i just totally. I, I, yeah, right i know it's they're amazing they're so they're amazing they're so fiery they're so passionate and um but uh, as a as a parent it's your job to oversee that season of growth and of um it's 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 our jobs the biblical worldview is that it is my job it is john's job it is our job to oversee our children's uh growth and their development and their identity and them coming into adult adulthood so that's kind of like my first thought as i think about this whole thing is that um is that it's it's our job it's not the state's job it's not a teacher's job it's not a public sector's job to raise my children and to teach them who they are. That's my job. And so I think that's like the first thing that kind of the first important part of this discussion is that is that when it comes to raising children and them discovering who they are and their identity, that that really rests in and, and should always be first and foremost be put in the sphere of parenthood. Um, it's not the state's job and it should never be the state's job. And um, so that to me actually has been uh, within this transgender movement has actually been more of the thing I've been kind of watching as a parent is 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 that is our government encroaching upon um, the the family unit and trying to subvert the family, the family unit. Um, but then, um, you know, God created a family and this is pre-fall so when god created us out of dust he created man and he created woman and so god's first idea of of heaven his first idea of eden was a family i mean that is i think that i've thought about that more in the last couple of years than ever you know it's not just about this 1950s 
idealistic family unit. Like God's idea was family. Like it is his idea. And that's why it's all of the language that he uses in scripture um, that we are adopted into his family. God wants family. Like this is some, this is, he invented it. He invented marriage. He invented man. He invented woman. He invented family. So, so when I look at all of this, I'm kind of like, okay, like I, we know as Christians that we are created um, male and female in his image. And God didn't make a mistake when he decided to do that. And there's so much power in knowing that God created you intentionally, that he designed you and fashioned you because he loved you and he knit you together in your mother's womb and you are made perfectly. Like there's, there's, there's not a hair on your head. Scripture says that he doesn't know about, he knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. He knows when you sleep, he knows when you wake up, God knows you and he made you on purpose. Like he made you with so much intention. And I think that as pastors, as Christians, as Christian women, to know that my daughters were, were fashioned and my son was fashioned with so much intention by God and so much you know, that, that, and that we together make the image of Christ, that we make the image of God, that male and female are made in the, that we are both made in the image of God. Like this so powerful, such, so incredible. Right. And so then to think about, um, the transgender movement, um, I think what is really unfortunate is seeing, and it honestly kind of breaks my heart is that what I believe sin does chiefly is it fractures people's identity. So period. I mean, I can think there's a lot of things that sin does, but what it sets out to do chiefly is to destroy you as an image bearer of Christ. Like, so it wants to destroy that you're made in the image of God. It wants to destroy that you are loved by God, that you are a child of God. I mean, that's what sin is. That's what the devil and sin is setting out to do in our lives, right? So, mm -hmm. so you think about a transgender man. And I think for me, I feel so, I feel so sad and broken for an identity that's broken. And we all have broken identities. And we can either come to Christ with our broken identity or we can try to find our identity in some other way. And so when I watch this transgender movement, what I see is I see I see a transgender man or I see a transgender woman attempting to heal an identity in a way that's going to ultimately fail them. And and we know, or at least the statistics that I've read, and you might know them better than I do, Stacey, you know, but that when people do transition, um, their their level of anxiety depression suicide it's it's higher than when than prior you know before they yeah, transitioned. There's, there's no resolution yeah and, yeah and when you talk about the, the being made in the image of god and how satan seeks to destroy that um it's perfectly demonstrated because the suicide rate is higher among transgender people than it is in the general population but post-surgery um, there it's even higher. It yeah. actually is the surgery is almost a harbinger for a bad outcome and, and higher rate of su suicidality. But I think I just want to capitalize on something that you said when you were talking about, you know, male and female being made in the image of God and the enemy coming in and trying to destroy that, um, basically that identity. Yeah. And then once 
he's gotten his hooks into you. And we have a culture now in our society, in American society, that kind of says, let's come alongside these people who are actually, um, these are wonderful people who are actually struggling with something in the same way that some people struggle with obesity or they struggle with um, heart disease or diabetes or someone who's struggling with another kind of mental uh, malady. So if it's not gender dysphoria, which is what's affecting transgender people, yeah. you know, people who are struggling with, um, with uh, you know, schizophrenia or something like that. So we would never say to someone who's struggling with schizophrenia, let's alter your physical person to deal with your problem that that is a mental issue, yeah. a chemical yeah. imbalance. But we are doing that with people who are transgendered, who yeah. when they wake up and I've read the, the most tragic part of it is that we now know through brave yeah. souls who've come out and written about this and people who uh, these are uh, these are young people in the Netherlands and places like that who have had revival come to their tiny town and through revival realized that their transgender lifestyle was something that they didn't have to participate in. They could come out of it. And then they talk about the way that you, ne you never actually feel like you're in the right body, even after the surgery. So they wake up from the surgery, their body has been physically altered and, and it's not repairable. You can't reverse it. And they wake up and they still feel the same way. So they've changed their entire physical body, but they still have the same problem of the gender dysphoria. And so that just goes to the totality of the destruction that is sought by the enemy. He sure. wants to destroy your mind, your soul, your physical body, and whatever order he can do that in, he'll take it. And we sure. as Christians are not speaking out to say that sure. that's what's happening. Like we we are afraid of being canceled. So we're allowing sure. our silence, which is acquiescence, to sure. assist in something that is destroying the physical body. And we have the answer. Jesus came to save and to heal. And mm -hmm. the enemy came to lie and kill and destroy. And so we as Christians can just say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Before we alter our physical bodies, before we allow this to become public policy, we yeah. need to give people the prescription. Yeah. The actual, um, like for people who are schizophrenic, they take uh, oral medication to assist with that. And there's also healing and deliverance in Christ always. We don't, so we, we're not offering people a prescription to assist them. We're just letting people who don't know what they're talking about, people who don't know Christ mm -hmm. to give, let's, let's just, you know, let's just alter your body. And they're doing it with younger and younger uh, yeah. children. So, right. you know, it's, it is our, it is our duty as Christians to tell the truth about this. And I don't see us yeah. doing it. Yeah. Well, and that's true too. I mean, I think, I think as a pastor, I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, I just, the other day on Instagram, uh, I DM'd a friend and I said, um, you know, Texas had just made a law that said that, um, parents allowing children to transition when they're children mm -hmm. is considered child abuse. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You might know the law better than you I do. Got it. Yeah. That's um, what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, and she was staunchly opposed to this and, and I wrote her and I said, I, I think it is child abuse. How, how, in what world do you allow your child I, in what world someone was just giving um oh my gosh she's uh she's the her children she's a supermodel and her children are supermodel i'm forgetting her name but on, on instagram they were giving her a bunch of heat because she let her um she let bella heat bella hadid that's what it is she oh. let bella get a nose job when she was 14. and so all of this like hate was coming towards the mother for letting her 14 year old daughter get surgery on her nose like how dare you this is child abuse that's the words they used yeah but and a lot of kids get 
nose jobs in high sure. school. I sure. mean, and they're sure. not famous, but their parents sure. pay for it because it's a, I mean, I, I, sure. I'm not one who would say what I would do unless I was in that situation. If my child was desperately asking for that, um, you don't, you never know what you're going to do until it's your child. But certainly a nose job is not anywhere near the same as physical, like changes to your sexual reproductive or organs that yeah. are un, like irreversible. Like you can always have a nose job revised. You cannot revise transgender Wow. And that's true too. I mean, no. that's true too, but it's, but I thought it was so interesting to what, to hear someone say, you know, it's not child abuse for a parent to let a child sexually transition, but it is completely wrong for this supermodel mom to let her 14 year old daughter get a nose job. And I, I thought to myself, like, if you're going like it's, it's society doesn't, that's one thing that it, is I struggle with sometimes as a Christian watching the morals of society because they're so obviously double standard. Like there's never, there's never a comment. There's never a linear standard. It's never one standard. It's like, it's like, you know, nose jobs are bad for a 14 year old, but get, changing your, you know, sexual orientation, your you know, genitalia is so that to me blows my mind. I'm like, how, how, where, and I think that, that again, it's just our, it's our brokenness and our sin. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you can't, if you can't recognize your sin, like if, and, and I think, um, but my point is, is I wrote my friend and I said, Hey, I actually agree. I actually think this is child abuse. I think this is hor horrific for a parent to allow their children to do this. Now, now, you know, and, and she was, I could tell she was very frustrated with me. I think yes. she, I think she might've blocked me. And but oh. as, a Christian, as a Christian, it's like, it's very difficult to speak up as a, as a pastor, as a pastor, I have to be very careful. I mean, John always makes fun of me. He's like, Jesse, you need PR, you need it. You need public relations because, because I have to be so careful with what I say. Um, I have to be so careful with what I say. And, um, you know, but in this case, I, I think I I think that for me, my heart, the things that I want to communicate to, to, you know, if I was speaking to our congregation today, the two things I would communicate is number one, like for for transgenders and for anybody that is listening that doesn't feel at home in their own body. Mm -hmm. Like my message to you would be. Have you asked, have you prayed? Have you meditated? Maybe you don't believe in God, but have you simply asked God, like, did he create you? And are you dealing with, okay, maybe not, maybe what you're grasping for and what you're wanting and what you're craving is a, is, is a healing of your identity. Like it's not necessarily you becoming a girl or you becoming a boy it is actually you you wanting to feel at home and accepted in yourself mm -hmm. that you get from christ yes. that you get from jesus that you get from him and from his blood and his pure acceptance his unconditional love his deep mercy that's new every day i mean it's so mm -hmm. real and so I, I think to myself i'm like is that I think if if there was someone that's listening and they're transgender, it's like, is that what you're craving? Because mm -hmm. because I think it is. Like we're all craving that. 
we, we're, we, all we were all craving that. And so okay. for those of us who've mm -hmm. met Jesus and have had that revelatory experience and accepting mm -hmm. them, then mm -hmm. over time through the process of sanctification, we begin to accept ourselves. And there's a lot about ourselves mm -hmm. that you don't have to have gender dysphoria to feel wrongness about yourself or to mm -hmm. not, not trust yourself or to not like yourself um, mm -hmm. or to not appreciate the way God made you. Cause there's a lot about our own personalities that we mm -hmm. can through over time, maybe, you know, maybe at home in our, mm -hmm. in our nuclear families or mm -hmm. in our relationships, we can come to dislike mm -hmm. things about ourselves mm -hmm. and we want to change them. We want to be different. We want, we will, maybe you're looking at someone else who's, you know, more calm, more peaceful, kinder, sweeter, or stronger, more assertive. Mm -hmm. And we might look at them and say, that's, that's what I want. And when you, right. come Jesus, he'll say, you know what, but I made you this way. That's right. Let come on. Let me love that's you. Right. And let me show you how I made you this way. I made you this way for a reason. And I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to help you not just accept yourself, but I'm going to help you operate in the gifts I've placed within you. You're right. seeing them as negatives. You've been conditioned to see, you know, for me, it's always talking. I've been talking since I was like the moment I popped out and I get, I got, I, my, I think my mom still has the report cards so of every single report card, every oh, talking too much. Stacy's talking again. Stacy was talking to so-and-so. I would actually go over to other kids or invite them over to my desk to have chats if they were finished with their work. And I was finished. And my teacher would finally, she, one of them just had me up at the front desk helping her sort papers and stuff. Because if I wasn't doing that, I was talking. Now, <laughs> what do I do for a living? I talk. But it, it's a lot of years in between then and here and feeling like I should just sit here and be quiet. And then in my mind, kind of going off into a fantasy world about a book I'd read and not listening to the teacher because if I can't talk, I could barely listen. And so there, there was a huge, a huge, just, you know, kind of like, I'm always talking and I'm always getting in trouble about it. And now I understand why God gave me that because I'm, I'm a talker, I'm a communicator Thanks and it God. works for what I do now. But there's a lot of years in there where I didn't appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, if you're soft hearted, if you are emotionally intelligent and you're easily hurt by, you know, things other people will say, mm -hmm. God will actually toughen mm -hmm. you up and still use that mm -hmm. with, for his glory. He, he will do so much for you, but we are not giving him a chance. We're literally like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. for us as Christians, we're like, yeah, he, you made me. But I kind of know what's better for me than, you know, so we're just oh, like right. around by ourselves, you know, right. banging into walls, banging into any barrier. And God is like, well, if you slow down just a little bit, if you settle back just a, just a tad, let me grow you and let me bring you into the fullness of what I have created, which mm -hmm. we know that doesn't actually stop. We just mm -hmm. keep on going and growing here until the end of our lives here. And then on into eternity, we don't even know what that's going to look like, but- yeah. God has something for us. And for people who are transgendered or, or uh, struggling with that, you, you gave the, the most crucial key. You just gave it. Jesse, you said, just ask God. There've been so many times where I've been so frustrated and I'll just go, Lord, what is this? And I'm frustrated. So then I go on about my business. Maybe I have a cup of coffee or some kind of snack, you know, whatever I do. And then later he gives me the answer. And so my, my lesson in that Hmm. is that I actually, before I try to figure it out by every other avenue, I can just say to the Lord, and it doesn't have to be eloquent or, yeah. you know, dear heavenly father, this yeah. is a beautiful day. And thank you. you for just talk to him. That's right. You I just, just say, Lord, I'm frustrated and I need a fix. I hmm. need you to fix this for me because 
I don't see anywhere in this realm, nowhere in my power is there a fix for this. Yeah. And then and then I just I gotta toss this off on you because I'm in so much turmoil. I need your peace. Can you please help me? And then he does. He yeah. he's that close to us. He's so close to us that at the sound of our cry, he says he will respond. Mm -hmm. He also says, if we pray his will, mm -hmm. he will hear us. And he yeah. says, if I hear you, you have the answer to your prayer. And he compares himself to earthly parents. We all know how flawed we are. As hard as we have tried, we have had our moments. We've yelled, we've screamed. We've all had our moments. And if the more no, no, definitely not me. Yeah, well. I know. I, I was thinking to myself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I really want to admit that I. But everybody knows. If, if you have kids, you know that the right. very nature of dealing with human beings means you've you failed. Yeah. And he says yeah. he is like us in that. Um, who was I watching? I was watching a, a preacher, and she said, "Let's say your child is outside playing in the cul-de-sac, and you go in their room, and they were supposed to clean it, and they didn't." And so you're like, I just, I've told her like three times today, make sure and clean up your room. And she didn't do it. And then you hear through the front door, your child screaming and hollering and you realize, oh my goodness, the little neighborhood bully is down there pushing, you know, picking on her again. So do you as a parent say, but she didn't clean her room. So I guess she's going to deal with that bully by herself. Or do you say you're, you're basically running through the front door. If it was shut, you just break it off its hinges so you can get out there. You can't get out there fast enough to scoop your child up and defend her from the bully or tell the bully, you know, you're going home now, whatever you're dealing with, mm. you don't stop and say, I'm not going to help my child because she didn't clean her room. You'll deal with the room later. She'll clean it later. But right now she yeah. needs rescuing. Yeah. Well, if we as imperfect parents will do that for our children, how yeah. much more will God say, Oh, you know, Stacy wasn't in her devotional this morning. Mm. I'm not going to help her. She's crying out for a fix. She's desperate yeah. here. She's emotionally, she doesn't even know how to handle her emotions right now. Am I going to help her or am I going to, I'm going to make her wait because she didn't, she didn't do her devotionals this morning. No, so he's going to help me. And then he's going to basically gently tell me, you need to be in your devotions in the morning. So your emotions aren't all over the place because mm. that is how you stay calm in the presence of, of, of danger or whatever is you first commune with me. You first go yeah. to the word in the morning and then you go in and do these other things. Yeah. That's God. And so, you know, we in our society and especially the church, we are not telling mm -hmm. these hurting broken people yeah, that's right. where they need to go to get the fix, the prescription, the, right. the answer right. and for gender dysphoria, because it's a mental thing, yeah. the chemical imbalance, you know, there's a, there's also deliverance. God actually allows us. We're still in the age of miracles. Nothing has changed. Come on. We can lay hands. We right. can we can get together, you and me, and we can get together and lay our hands mm -hmm. on any person and pray mm -hmm. for deliverance and see the victory. We don't have yeah. to like, well, so you might feel a little better. No, we can go to the father and take this person right into the right. throne room and say, this gender dysphoria has to go. It's under okay. our feet. It is not a part of the way this person was created. And Jesus paid it all for gender dysphoria, for uh, diabetes, for all these things. But these mental illnesses specifically, that is coming from the pit of hell. That is to well, separate us from our identity. Mm -hmm. We have and I, in that. And I don't think it's just like a mental, I don't think it's just a mental thing. I honestly think it's 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 some soul soul wounds. You know, it's like um, 
it's not, I mean, there's the mental pieces for sure. Like I've, I've read articles that talk mm -hmm. about, you know, young, like, like preteen girls were all insecure. Right. I remember middle school, Jesse, and it was rough, you know, yeah, and, uh, right. But, but, um, the one thing for young girls is that when they start taking testosterone, it gives them confidence. Oh yeah. They, they feel confident. And yeah. so in my, their minds, then they're thinking, oh, well, this is the, you know, this is the fix. I need to become a man. So, so but I don't just think it's mental. I mean, you know, there's like soul, there's soul things there. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, in my life have known a, a lot of, um, lesbian women and gay men. And, um, and this is anecdotal. So this is just, you know, my experience with those communities, but, um, there has always been some pretty significant wounding in those people. Um, pretty much every single female friend, and I had a, a bunch in college um, that later came out, um, were abused sexually as, as kids. I mean, I, I actually can't think of a single female friend that I have now that's gay that was not sexually abused as a child. And I remembered one of my girlfriends, um, well, I won't say her name here, but um, we got coffee one day. And this girl had cut when she was in college, like she had cut herself. Mm -hmm. She had eating disorders. She slept around with guys. Like, she, like it, my point is, is she tried everything. Mm -hmm. And um, she sat across from me and, um, you know, and she was abused. I think it was by her dad. Um, it was by a family member. And and um, she sat across from me and she said, Jesse, you know, I think I'm gay. And um and I looked at her and I was like, I don't believe you. And I know that sounds really harsh and I hope people hear my heart and yeah. they hear what I'm saying. But I looked at her and I said, I don't believe you. I said, if you can look at me in the eyes and say that you have healed completely from your past and you're gay, then I'll believe you. Hmm. But if you have not healed from your past, like this in my mind is just one more place that you are going yeah to cope to, to cope with mm -hmm. a very fractured identity and a very fractured sexual identity mm -hmm. because who wants to sleep with a man who wants to trust a man when when that is that has been a not just a source of pain but the chief source of pain in your life more pain and torture and soul torment and demonic influence than anyone could possibly imagine coming at the hands of your father, an uncle, a brother, a cousin, like, like that to me is like, give me a break. You know what I mean? And so, and then we expect these people to, to just get on without like some soul healing in my mind. I'm like, man, your soul needs to be healed from these things. And it does not surprise me that you would find being and trusting a man difficult, you know, being with and trusting a man difficult. Like that to Absolutely. me makes so much sense. Yeah. So, then it's like, so then it's like, you know, and then for the, my male friends that I knew, I waited tables for years and had lots of male friends who were gay and all of them had very fractured relationships with their fathers. Mm -hmm. um, many of them were abused sexually as children. And so, so in my mind, I'm just like, I, I just, I, I don't, having experienced that as a young adult and having all of these friends, like, 
I, I look at the transgender movement very similarly, where I, I see the LGBTQ community craving acceptance, mm -hmm. craving love, craving safety, craving normalcy and a place where they feel normal. And like their whole life, they haven't felt normal, whether they were abused or they felt insecure in their identity or whatever that was, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, but their story is, is in some ways the same, you know, and, and, um, and so I think the church's job is twofold. I mean, it's, it's number one, it's to speak the truth and to preach the truth. Um, and, but you can do that in love and you can say, you know, we believe that you have a fractured identity mm -hmm. because of sin. Um, and we believe that the cross answers that and we believe that jesus's blood pays for that and we we actually believe that the holy spirit can regenerate you okay. um, and so like that's the first part and then the second part is to just do it in grace you know um and and i think those are different that's a pretty difficult job to do and you know i think that p you know churches kind of get crapped on all the time because they don't do it perfectly but um but I think that's our job and um, it's a very difficult job. And, um, you know, I feel for pastors right now. I feel, I feel for myself right now. I'm like, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard to be a Christian leader right now. Um, well, it is. But I so we need more. We need more information, you know, because we need to be informed. We don't want to be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but then we also, on top of that information, you mentioned grace. And this is outside of what we can do as people in our own power. So yeah. we know God can equip us with the grace that's needed to handle these difficult situations yeah. and to turn the tide back. But, you know, we first have to make our hearts right towards him right. and want to seek um, healing and restoration for people who've been abused and used and yeah. um, had their, their souls, you know, kind of crushed and ground down. Yeah. And the good news is, is that Jesus knows all of our afflictions. He can heal and restore, but it, you have to have someone to usher you in, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's, there's the road to Damascus experience, which very few get people get to experience usually. Sure. Sure, so like that. Jesus, yeah, the so overnight weird. change. Yeah, that's right. Right. You some usually Jesus, someone, someone comes and takes you by the hand or the shoulders and says, yeah. "Come on, I got the answer," and brings you in. And it's usually not a straight linear path. It's you know, it's mm -hmm. got bumps and it might circle back. And you know, yeah. it, it's it's some it's people basically saying, "I'm committed to you," yeah. and I'm committed to what Jesus is trying to do. And then you just you keep walking together. And if the, yeah. if the, if it circles, I mean, the Israelites wandered in the desert mm -hmm. for all those years until they finally made it to the promised land. Yeah. And even then Moses, who, if anybody was going over, you would think he would be the one he didn't, he just looked, but didn't go over. Mm -hmm. So there's God has, he has a, a route that only he knows the, the end destination, mm -hmm. yeah. but we know that the destination includes healing and restoration. We know that. And we know that we're a part of the journey for, for people who are wounded and hurting. He said he came to set the captives free and he did. But now we have to tell everybody, you're free. You're actually free. You are, you're going to be healed. You're going to have restoration and here's the gateway. And so, you know, in a time like today where we see Disney and all of these corporations basically right. saying these are hurting people and we need to make policy 
that enshrines their rights and destroys the rights of women, destroys the rights of girls. Um, We've never been needed more than now. Hmm. God has never been needed more than now to restore these people. Um, And so I I think that's that's a part of the conversation. It's a part of what we have to kind of mentally say to ourselves, okay, Lord, what does that look like like with me? What what do you have for me in that arena? And yeah. not all of us are called to this particular arena. That's that's one thing. If you're listening to this podcast and you're already you've already been called to another area where you're working in the yeah. ministry, that's you're not you're not switching up. But for anyone who's not sure or who has an affinity for this or who has this in their own background, um, God gives a special dispensation to pray for people in areas where we have been delivered and set free. Well, so, that's, that's real. That's real. Yeah. yeah um, th- that's a hundred percent real. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, again, I just like, I think, you know, I just hope and pray that because I, I don't think that, you know, if you didn't go to church, if you didn't grow up around Christian families, if you didn't grow up around any type of Christian talk or knowledge at all, like, what do you do with a fractured identity? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like for you, you're the, going to the worldly perspective. You're that's just it. like, like there's really no options for you. Like, yeah. it's like, it's like you, you, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like it used to be like kids did drugs and they probably, they probably still are doing drugs, but it's like, you know, it's like that you, you shoot off into these other areas to solve the broken identity, to solve the fractured identity, you know, and Um, so I, I pray and I hope that, that the transgender movement, I hope that there are are honestly some even listening to the podcast right now and that they hear like, Hey, there actually is like another option for you. Like Mm -hmm. there actually is a way up and out. And I think it's the only way up and out. Um, I do too, because these are solving problems. These these worldly yeah. ways are not solving problems for people because yeah. if they were, we wouldn't need to continue changing policy. Yeah. If the solutions that were originally proposed yeah. worked, we would not still be dealing with this. We would not still be changing policy. We would not still be fighting over it because yeah. a solution precludes the need for all of that. It's yeah. it basically takes the conflict away because the problem is solved. Sure. The problem has not been solved. And we, we right. already know there is no solution to any, any of this without Jesus Christ. So I know that people who aren't Christians who are listening to this are like, Oh, so, you know, but that's, that's what the Bible says. So I'm not being exclusive. I'm just, I'm basically repeating what God's word says. Well, and like to, to let them know, like they're like, they're like, there is, there is a way, like there's a way for you that doesn't have to be, um, you becoming a different sex. Like, like, like there's a way for your identity to heal. And it doesn't have to be that way, you know, um, but then but then, too, I really feel just I feel a burden as a parent. And then I feel burdens for parents right now. Like, I, I think I think if you're a mom listening or your dad listening, I think right now it's it's uh, all hands on deck as far as your parenthood goes. And I think that, you know, John and I decided a few years ago we pulled our kids out of public school um, in 2020 and best decision I ever made was putting my child. I grew up in public school. John grew up in public school and people will be like, we love public school. Cool. Not anymore. You don't, um, <laughs> you know, not anymore. You don't. And I, I, I the same thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a personal choice for your kids, but 
Um, there are a lot of kids in public school right now who don't have anybody to advocate for them. Their parents are checked out. They're, they're not really sure. aware of what's happening. And sure. so that's where the public policy piece comes in, where Christians, we cannot refuse to render to Caesar that which is Caesar's by voting, by monitoring our elections. By, and that's such a good you know, point. I mean, Stacey, yeah. that's such a good point, you know, as a, yeah. as a parent and as a voter. You know, we I think it's out, but we still are involved. That's what we have and, to do. and you know what I am. I mean, I've been at the school board meetings. I'm so glad you said that because it's like, yeah, you have to be both. For us, you know, um, we pulled our kids out. Um, I advocate hardcore with my friends and with, you know, my social media platforms to at least consider Christian education. Oh yeah, to consider to consider homeschooling yep. because. Um, because two, I think what forms public policy is money, <laughs> and so if you're mm -hmm. if you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people are pulling their students out of school. I don't know what it's like in your district, but our district gets $9,000 a year per student. So, so if you have an exodus of tens of thousands of students, because we're not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to subject my children to indoctrination that I disagree with. Thank you very much. Like I, I disagree with that, you know, then, um, then, that's money and that's money for these schools, you know, and yeah, I agree with that position. I mean, we took know, our kids out, um, but they're, the numbers are too small to make an impact. Then you don't see the impact, but yeah. our per pupil expenditure is, is pretty high. I think it's more like 11,000 for wow. 11,000 per kid. And that's just in this suburban area, our previous suburban area, the per pupil expenditure nine years ago when we left was more like 13,000 per kid. And wow. they, it's a smaller district, but you're right. It's the average daily attendance that that money is actually doled out on. And so when kids leave the district, yeah. over time, that, that funding decreases. But it, there's also the, the other issue is now we're talking about pornographic books on the shelves in schools. Now we're talking yeah, about I mean, the, the indoctrination by the teachers of these kids. And yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's even more serious that you either get involved and make yeah. change or pull your kids out because- I had a, a she, this woman was really high up in uh, public education here in Missouri. And I met her at a conference and she knew that I was speaking out about school board issues. And she came over to me and introduced herself. Mm -hmm. And she said, I love the work that you're doing. I said, oh, thanks. I, I don't even think I'm doing that much. She said, but where are your kids? And I said, they're in public school in a district where I am, you know, uh, volunteering. And she said, mm -hmm. well, your kids don't have to be in the district for you to work and have an impact. She said, make sure that you are preserving their faith, yeah. that they are preserved because you're discipling them into, yeah. into Christ. But if they're getting the same information that you're fighting against, when, when does that tipping point occur? And I was like, oh, I said, well, I just assumed your kids are in public school. She said they were until I realized that they were working against what my husband and I were trying to teach them about faith. And we pulled them out. She said, I still remain. She was actually sitting on our uh, state board of education for public schools wow. and her kids had been out and had graduated and gone on to college. Yeah. And so she told me, she said, your kids don't have to be there for you to have an impact. Make sure that the work, cause she said, you're going to be held accountable for what you do with your kids. The sure. work that you're doing to volunteer is excellent, but make sure your kids are accounted for. And th so they stayed through grammar school. And then we moved them when our mm -hmm. oldest was entering, uh, I think seventh or eighth grade. And it was the best decision we could have made, but I'll tell you, you know, Jesse, we have to pray about what we're doing. 
We have, we have to ask God, what, what is my role here? Is, is it that you want my kids to stay in the public school or do you want them getting a Christian education? And then if they go to the Christian education, do you want me to be volunteering there? Or do you want the other moms to be volunteering in the Christian education and for me to well, stay in the yeah. public school arena to try to yeah. help? And God, I think God will let us know yeah. what, we, what we can do. And you know, every parent's going to feel different. Every Christian mom and dad is going to feel different. I, I can say where I've landed and where I feel pretty resolute is um, I think that public education is on fire. Mm -hmm. And I, but I don't, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a way to put it out. Um, I'm still going to be at the school board meetings and I'm still going to participate, but it's a dumpster fire. I mean, it's not just like, so, so when I, when I see Christian moms and I see Christian dads, you know, there, there was, there is a time, you know, and people will talk about, well, you don't just shelter your kids and you don't just keep them in a bubble. Okay. Well, that's, Christian that's, school's not a bubble. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, right. That's, that's, right. Like, that's right. But Ooh. it's also like, but it's also like, um, our, that's my job. Like my mm -hmm. job is to raise my children. My job is to protect my children and, and, and to see them come of age and to teach them the ways of adulthood, academia, and to, to help them in understanding who they are in Christ. That's my job. Yep. And, um, and I think that the public school system is, there's so many issues with it. <laughs> that um and even like the 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 times i would go to the board meetings in the last two years like it's not there's there's so many it's like i don't i don't want to war um my whole life and it's so emotionally draining like i would go to these meetings and i'd get home and i'd cry for like mm -hmm. two hours because it was like it's like going to I don't know. It's like going into Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what it felt no, like. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's just like there's our public no, meetings for this school, school district. Not, my kids never went here, but I, no, I would go to their meetings and literally give LGBTQ students kind of approaching the parents and saying, are you an ally or are you not an ally? And you're like, I've just gotten to this meeting. I'm not even sure. Like, what do you mean? We're with the LGBTQ student group and we're looking, we want to know who in this room is an ally and who isn't. And yeah, like, like bullying you, right? Come on. Right. It's a couple hundred parents in the room and they're going and they're asking, they have on their little rainbow jackets and they're, you know, and they're, they are looking at you, asking your name. If you stand up and tell your name, cause you have to give your name and address yeah, you then they can go find you on social media and begin to email mm -hmm. you. And these are minors. I remember telling a minor, I said, I, I told you at the school board meeting that I, I don't feel comfortable talking to you without your parent. And I don't feel like I am obligated to tell you anything about myself. And now you found me on social media and you want to engage. And I really feel like you should have your parents contact me if there's an issue, but you do not get to engage with me at 15 because it's just inappropriate. I would not want an adult engaging with my 15 year old. These children have been basically indoctrinated into thinking that they are the equivalent of any adult. And yeah. so I understand what you mean, but I yeah. kind of feel the same way. I've interviewed enough education advocates to know that in some districts, this stuff is kind of new, right? And in the other districts, it's so far gone that you have yeah. to break that system before yeah. you can have a system that works. And that's yeah. going to mean pulling all of the kids who have parents with any sense, those kids have to leave and go to something new so that they can have their, their innocence preserved and their education. Well, um, I mean, you think about like Babylon, right? I mean, you think about, um, you think about 
Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you think about Daniel, you think about these young men in, in, you know, where they were, uh, in Babylon and Babylon would do the same thing that America is trying to do today, where they would take the young and they would indoctrinate them. I mean, this is, this is, this is Daniel one and two, they would take the young and they would indoctrinate them. This is what they did. This is, this playbook is as old as time. And so if you are a Christian parent, like, I don't know how many wake up calls you need in the last like two and a half, you know, five years, but it's like, this is, this is, we are in the middle of Babylon. And if you are not careful, like they will, they will indoctrinate your children. You know, Lenin said, I think it was Lenin that said, give me a child for four Mm -hmm. years and I will sow a seed so deep that no one will dig it out. That's what we're talking about right now. And so yeah. for me, I'm like, no, I'm go- we are going to sow the seeds of the Lord. We are going to sow the seeds of the word of God. We are going to sow the seeds of Christ and truth and righteousness and goodness and kindness and justice. And every- and so for me, my, like my game plan for like our family is that. And then, and then to encourage other families to do that as well, because I don't know that the system just like in Babylon, like you're not going to fix the system. You might be able to. And I think you should vote. And I think you should vote your conscience. And I think you should be involved. All of those things. But but first and foremost, before you are a voter, before you are a politician, you are a follower of Christ and you are a mom and you're a dad. And in my in my mind, I mean, this is just my opinion, but those things come first. So So I'm going to raise my children in Christ and be as involved as I can in public policy. But when public policy doesn't go my way, which typically lately has been all the time, you know, it's just like, it's like, well, then I, then I know that I'm raising a generation of children that are going to love God and, and share the gospel. So the arrow that we're supposed to be working on as parents anyway, each one mm -hmm. of those children is a quiver, um, is an arrow in the quiver and they are supposed to go out and hit their mark. And so it, to enable that you have to have them reared in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, which, you know, that's, that's our duty as parents. We're called to that. And I have to say, I'm so excited that you joined me today and that we had this wide ranging conversation on all of these topics. And I think, you know, it's a good starting point. Like it's a good nugget for people to hear this and then take this discussion into your own groups, into your own Thank sphere, you. yeah. and start to really examine how can I walk out my faith and really be a part of cleaning up public education. And while I'm doing that, you know, mm-hmm. are my kids still involved there, or are they someplace else? And to really just consider what God wants you to do there. I, it sounds so radical to some people, and you know, Jesse, I've had a lot of a lot of my friends are like, you know what? I'm, we're not leaving this school. This is our school. We're going to fix it. And so they're they're working very hard to make changes. Wow. And wow. I, I appreciate that. It's not the decision that my husband and I made because yeah. it just goes by so quickly. I remember being in the Target, pregnant with our third, two mm-hmm. in the little, you know, there's two spots in the Target, but and then and yeah. they're sitting there. And a lady came by. I had three encounters that day. Because you know when you're pregnant, everybody is your friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and you've got littles. Yeah, so they well, want they, to. They, yeah. just, they can say anything to you. So one lady walks by and she says, oh, they're so beautiful. And then she looks at my stomach. She's like, you got your hands full. And I'm thinking, okay. So then the next lady comes over and she's like, oh, you're, she said, your hands are so full. She said, it mm-hmm. goes by so fast. And I'm thinking, 
it doesn't go by that quickly. I feel like I've been pregnant for three years. And I basically had because my kids are really close together. So then the last lady, she comes by, oh, yeah. talks about how cute oh, yeah. my kids are. And she says, well, she says, I would tell you it goes by quickly, but people say that to you a lot. I bet. I bet everyone says that to you. Mm -hmm. And she said, it goes by fast and it goes by slow. And I looked at her and she said, yeah, no one says that, do they? She said, it goes by fast because you'll be literally out of the baby years before you know it. She said, but it goes by slow because it's an everyday thing. You, you're changing diapers every day. You're doing laundry every day. You're washing yeah. dishes every day. She said, just try to enjoy it all and have a good relationship. And I was like, okay, now this woman is the sage of the ages up in here, in, up in this target. This is actually a good, like this was a nice encounter. And so now 22 mm -hmm. years in, she's mm -hmm. right. It goes by really fast and it goes by really slowly. And so the thing that I feel like God has blessed me and my husband with is the relationship with our kids so that mm -hmm. when they were in public school and then when they were in private Christian and then when they went to a much bigger, much mm -hmm. more commercially popular uh, Christian school, it was the relationship that kept everything together so that if there was bullying, if there were difficulties, if there was sexual content, we were able to navigate it. And so I just encourage parents, no matter the age of your children, to ask God to give you a special dispensation for a relationship with them, to ask him to pour the same kind of caring that he has for us into you so that you will literally, that you can feel their heart. And if you can do that, if God, if you pray for it, God will do it. That It's not a question of if he'll give it to you. If you're willing to pray that prayer, he'll give you a dispensation for their heart so that you can feel them and you can have a, mm -hmm. um, it's it's basically the empathy that is hard to have with someone who is, you know, 10 or 14, or it's hard to remember what that felt like, yeah. but God will give you the empathy that you need. And then that will carry you through these cultural dumpster fires. Because Jesse, that is what it is. It's It stinks, it's burning, and we want to put it out and one person can't do it, but Jesus can make sure the dumpster fire isn't in your home. And no matter what you're going through, he will carry you through it. You and your child, you'll get through it together. So yeah. I just, I'm so glad we, we had this conversation because Same. Christians, come on, Christians, we're, we're kind of like, we're sitting back and we're quiet. Yeah, word is not quiet on this. I'm gonna tell oh, you. It's scary, man. It's scary. I mean, his word is not quiet on these issues. He's no, he's yelling at us from within these pages. He's like, what What do you want to know? Get in here and get it. It's in here. Get in here and get it. And then we're gonna be like, we're we're ready. Oh, Once we've done that, we're ready. Well, I'm grateful for you. I know that much. I'm grateful for you and and your voice. I was thinking about that before I jumped on today. So it's yeah. it's hard work what you do and probably uh, comes with its own set of arrows that are very unique but um and difficult. But it's important. What you do is very important. So well, I'm so glad that we got a chance to meet and Sorry. talk. And I have to thank Demetrius for yet another friend in the faith that we get to kind of okay. we're we're working together. You're. We're not close in in the the space and time, but in Christ, we are all together working right. and doing doing our best. And so I just yeah. I pray God's blessings over your ministry there, that you mm -hmm. and your husband, that everyone there will continue to grow under your leadership, and that you will be blessed in your home and Thank with you. your kids. Thank you. That God will bless, will pour out a blessing, Lord, over mm -hmm. Jesse and her family. That is so great they can't contain it. Let the blessings, Father, come behind them, overtake them and run out before them 
Amen. So that everyone will want to know, Jesse, what are y'all doing? And she'll be like, oh, it's Jesus. Get in. That's right. That's right. Here, get some of this. So um, thank you so much for your time yeah. today. We yeah. have the links to your ministry and your church in the show notes today. If people oh, want to find out more, they can do it. We awesome. certainly have listeners probably, maybe maybe you're looking for a church home. You can go hang out with yeah. Jesse and her yeah. husband. We would love it. Um, would and, love learn, it. and learn more about the Lord. And until then, God bless. And thank you for joining me today on our streaming yard. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey, for having me. Thank you.